Love your pastor. Appreciate brother and sister Gilmore. It was funny today. Um, we were talking at dinner, and uh, somebody said something about coffee being medicinal. I think it was Brother Jeff Coat, and I was like, man, I'm struggling, so I'm going to go get me some coffee. And I came in, and I didn't see the sign on the back door that says no coffee in here. Mrs. Preacher let me know not to have any coffee in here. And, uh, and she came, and she said, I'm so sorry. Please don't be mad at me. I was like, for what? And uh, she's like, well, you know, I just don't want you to be upset that I'd tell you not to have coffee in here. I'm like, good grief, man. I mean, I don't want to spill it all over the place. But I appreciate your pastor and his wife. And she's just sensitive like that. She don't want to offend nobody, but she doesn't want coffee spilled in the auditorium. Amen? So I appreciate that. But I love it. love it here, and I love your preacher and his wife, and I'm thankful for them. And uh, so... Uh, Church, take good care of them. I know you do, but man, love them with all your heart. I tell you what, God, um, man, not a single one of us deserve to have a preacher like him. And uh, just like that, you know, it could be gone. And uh, love them and cherish them while you have them. Judges chapter number 16 tonight. Judges chapter number 16. When you find your place, go ahead and stand. We'll begin reading in verse number 15. Judges in chapter number 16 tonight. Judges chapter 16. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 15, a simple thought tonight uh, that I pray will be a blessing and a help to each of us. Judges chapter number 16, this is what the Bible says beginning in verse number 15. And she said unto him, how canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words um, and urged him that, that his soul was vexed unto death. I mean, that gives new meaning to being nagged to death about something, right? I mean, that's what it says right there. She pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. That he told her all his heart. And said unto her, There hath not come upon a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him to sleep upon his knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. With the help of the Lord, I'd like to preach on this subject for a few moments. Who's got their hands on your heart? Father, we come before you tonight and we're thankful for another opportunity you've given us to be in your house. And Lord, I need your help tonight. Lord, my mind is, is clouded and Lord, I... I'm just, I'm struggling tonight and I need your help. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd fill me with your spirit. Lord, help me to say only those things that you would have me to say. Lord, communicate the message that you put upon our heart tonight. Fill me with preach, I pray, and fill me with power that we can be a blessing to the hearts and be a help to the people of God tonight. And we'll thank you and love you and bless your name. Pray for Brother Jeff Coat as he comes after us, Lord, that you touch him and fill him with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
The Bible says in the book of Proverbs in chapter number 23 and verse 26, the, the king Solomon writing to his son, he says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the story and the account of Samson's life in Judges chapter number. I believe it starts somewhere in Judges chapter 13, and it carries on into Judges chapter 16. And we are familiar, we've heard many messages about Samson and the life of Samson. We know Samson is a man of great power. The Word of God tells us four times in the life of Samson that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord began to move him about the camp of Dan in Judges chapter 13 and verse number 25. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter 14 and verse number 6, Samson is making his way down to a particular city and he meets a young lion in the way. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as if he would rent a kid and he had nothing in his hand. The Bible tells us uh, that there are men that have expounded Samson's riddle that he has given at his uh, celebration or his party. And the Bible says that they've expounded this riddle and so now Samson owes them 30 changes of garment and 30 sheets. And so the Bible tells us that Samson goes down and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he went down to Eshkelon and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which had expounded the riddle. And then finally, the Bible tells us that Samson is being taken bound by his own brethren to be led captive to the Philistines. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him as he heard the shouts of the Philistines of their triumph. And the Bible says that he broke the cords that bound him, he took up the jawbone of a donkey, and he killed a thousand men. He was a man of great strength, a man of great power, and he accomplished great things. He was a man of great position. The Bible tells us that Samson was the judge of Israel. He was the hero of the people. He was a conqueror of the Philistines. He was the champion of a nation. The Bible tells us that he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Certainly Samson was a man that inspired and ignited hope in the hearts of a, of a discouraged and, an, and a people that were bound by Egyptian uh, slavery and bondage. He was a man that inspired people. He was a man that everybody knew his face. He had a reputation. But Samson, not only was he a man of great power, not only was he a man of great position, but Samson was a man of great pride. Samson had an ego problem. The Bible tells us in our text, Judges chapter number 16 and verse number 17, as Samson's explaining his great strength to Delilah, he says, if there's a razor that comes upon my head, I will become weak. And look what it says in verse 17, be like any other man. Samson had somehow gotten the idea that he was better than every other man, that he was somehow different than any other man. But the truth of the matter, there was nothing better or different about Samson. The only thing that, that separated Samson from everybody else was the power and the touch of God upon his life. It was the calling that God had put upon his life. And can I just say, we've got churches full of people that have the same attitude as Samson does. They think because God has redeemed them and God has brought them out of this, their sin that they are somehow better than everybody else. But can I just tell you, if you fall, you're not like any other man. You are already just like every other man. Where you are right now in the position that God has put you in, the only thing that separates you and the drunk on the street is Jesus Christ tonight. 
And let us beware lest in our arrogance overlook and, and forget the fact that it is only by the grace of God that we sit in this auditorium tonight uh, worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, being blessed by the singing and blessed by the presence of the Lord. It is only by the grace of God that we are allowed to do that tonight. It's nothing that we've done. It's nothing that I've done and nothing that you've done tonight. It is only the goodness of God and the touch of God upon our life. Samson had a problem with his ego, but Samson also had a problem with his eyes. You see, Samson, anything that Samson laid his eyes upon that he desired, he could take for himself, and he had the power to do so. The Bible tells us this. It's illustrated in his life in Judges chapter 14 and verse number 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Judges 14 and verse number 8, the Bible says, And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, the one that the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him and helped him to kill with his bare hands. And the Bible says, Behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And the Bible tells us that Samson, seeing that, desired it, and he took it with his hands. As a Nazarite, he wasn't supposed to touch any dead body. He knew the commandments. He knew what he was and was not supposed to do. But Samson, ignoring the commandments of God and seeing only what his eyes desired and taking only that, the Bible says he took the honey from the carcass of that lion and went on eating. Then the Bible tells us in Judges chapter number 16, Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. Anything that pleased the eyes of Samson, he looked at and he saw and he desired it and he took it for himself. He was a man of great pride. And that brings us to our text in Judges chapter number 16, verse number 15 through verse number 21. And we will preach all the way down to verse number 31 tonight. But four times, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but we tried to emphasize it in our text. But four times in our, these few verses that we read, the heart is mentioned. Verse, verse number 15, verse number 17, and two times of verse number 18. There was an emphasis made that Delilah said that he hath told her all his heart. He hath showed me all his heart. He has given to me all his heart. Let us look at this word heart. Let us find the definition of the heart. The word in our text is translated from the Hebrew word leb. The word literally means the inner man, the mind, the will, a man's understanding, a man's knowledge, the way that he thinks, his memory, his inclinations, his determinations, the conscience of a man. The heart is the seat of appetites. The heart is the seat of emotion and passion. It is the seat of courage. The heart is the keeper and possessor of our affections. It is where we hold all of those feelings and emotions of love and affection toward anything. That's where we keep it. It's in our heart. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number 12 and verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Proverbs 4 verse 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The heart defined. But I want you to also see the description of the heart. An old man of God once said, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter number 17 and verse number 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. 
Genesis chapter number 6 and verse number 5, God looks down out of heaven and beholds the wickedness and the sinful condition of man. The Bible says that he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. That's what the Word of God has to say about the heart. In Deuteronomy chapter number 15, God is commanding His people concerning the year of release and He warns them, He says, Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart. The psalmist, as he pins Psalm 58, says, Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O sons of men? Ye, in heart, ye work wickedness. Ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The heart is defined and described in the Word of God as unjust and unrighteous and unruly. It is the seat of our wicked imagination and our, and our depraved state. We are hopeless and helpless in our natural condition. But this is what the Bible also says in Romans chapter number 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So although the heart in its natural state and condition is wicked, the Bible says, above all things, there is a potential through the work of the Holy Spirit of God for the heart to become righteous. But I want you to notice not only is there a definition of the heart, not only is there a description of the heart in the Word of God, but there is also a desire for the heart. You see, unbeknownst to each and every one of us tonight, there is a war that is being fought. There is, a, there is a war that is being waged on the mind and on the heart. On one side, the world and the flesh and the devil is pulling the heart of man away from the things of God. It is attempting to draw it back to its original state of wickedness and sinfulness and unrighteousness tempting us and drawing us away through the lust of our eyes and the pride of life. The desire is ultimately for those that listen and heed to spend an eternity in hell. On the other side, the Holy Spirit of God wooing and whispering and convicting and convincing, doing His eternal work, pointing men towards salvation and righteousness and holiness and godliness and a relationship with God Almighty. You see, there is a war that we cannot even see going on tonight. Sitting in the pews, there are children that are looking at things on the TV and, and, and experiencing things in this world that, that we have no idea about. They are pulling their affection. It is pulling. It is, it is, it is fighting for the desire and the affection of the hearts of our children. There are things tonight that are pulling for the affection of the hearts of God's people. That is why we are instructed in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26, My son, give me thine heart. Why is it that we are instructed to give our heart over to the king? Because somebody else wants our heart. Somebody else wants control of our affection. Somebody else wants control of our love. And this truth is illustrated in Judges chapter number 16. As Samson pours his heart out to somebody that it does not belong to. And isn't that true about many of God's people tonight? Isn't it true that we have been tricked, if you will, we have been duped into thinking that we can invest and pour our love and pour our heart and affection into the things of this world and it somehow bring us joy and happiness and somehow bring us eternal value. 
Samson gives his heart and his life. He gives his affection over to this woman. I want you to see there are four hearts in our text tonight. Number one, I want you to see a broken heart. There's a broken heart in verse number 15. The Bible says, And she, Delilah, said unto him, Samson, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Somewhere along the line, Samson has looked at Delilah and with all of his heart and with all of the love that was in him said, Delilah, I love you. And he has backed this up with his investment. He has backed this up with everything that he has done to try to invest. And he trusted her. And he invested in her. And he poured himself into this woman. He loved her with all of his heart. But now Samson's heart is broken because he has lost the love that he has given. The love that he had poured into this woman, the love that he had dumped into this person has now been taken advantage of. It was not reciprocated, the emotions and the affection that he poured into her. And certainly that is the case tonight. If you dump your affection, if you dump your heart, if you dump and invest your love into the things of this world, they will not love you back. They will not love you back tonight. His heart is broken because of a lost love. She took his heart out, tore it up into little pieces and handed it back to him. And then walked away with a bag of money tonight. His heart is broken because of a lost love, but his heart is broken because of lost liberty. The Bible tells us in verse number 21 that the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. That freedom that Samson had once enjoyed, anything that he saw that he wanted, he could take and had the power to take for himself. But now his eyes have been put out. Now his strength has been taken from him. And now his freedom has been stripped. And he stands once the champion of a nation at one time, the hero of the Israelites and the man that had brought the Philistines to their knees time and time again now. He's reduced to grinding in a prison house. Now he's reduced to being bound by the very fetters of brass that at one time he would have so easily broken. And you know what? That's exactly what sin will do in your life tonight. It will reduce you. And at one time you were full of the Spirit of God where you would so easily have broken those temptations. Now you'll be held prisoner and captive to those same things. His, his love was taken from him. His liberty was taken from him. He lost his source. It says he, and he wist not that the Spirit of the Lord was departed from him. The Spirit of the Lord had departed from off of Samson and he got up and he didn't even know it. How many times have we come to church tonight? We walk in the back of the church doors expecting that God's going to do something and nothing really happens, but we don't even know. We didn't even realize that God's not with us. We didn't even realize that God hasn't met with us. We didn't even realize that God's not sitting in the car seat with us as we go and do our job because we haven't waited enough to be filled with the Spirit of God. We haven't, we have not taken the time to try to be full of the Spirit as we go throughout our day-to-day -day lives. And we get up and we walk away and we don't even know it. He lost his source. He lost his sight. He lost his strength. And then his service, the Bible says he did grind in the prison house. No longer was he able to do what God had called him to do. The call of God that God had ordained from his birth that God had given him. He couldn't do it anymore. He had a broken heart. Samson has been taken advantage of. His heart is left broken. 
But I want you to see not only is there a broken heart, there's also a bitter heart. Look what the Bible says in Judges chapter number 16 and verse number 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I might be at once avenged of the Philistines for taking away my freedom and for keeping my people in bondage and for, and for everything that they have done to your people. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. My two eyes. Samson's eyes were the windows to his heart. They were the windows to his soul and they were his freedom. But now they had been stripped and taken away from him and his anger burned inside of his heart. And at this moment in his life, as he knows his life is coming to an end, there is no thought of repentance. There is no heart that is broken over the sin that he had committed against God. The commandments that God had given him as a Nazarite he had put upon his life. Samson broke them he had disobeyed what God had commanded him to do he had failed at what God had called him to do but at the end of Samson's life there is no thought of repentance about those things there is only an idea of revenge let me say this very quickly bitterness we heard a fantastic message on bitterness last night and if you didn't hear it you get the CD and you go home and listen to it because I want to tell you something you go find some things that you were bitter about that you didn't even know you was bitter about it happened to me last night Bitterness, it creeps up into the heart and in the soul. And we have to be very careful how we deal with a broken heart because in our brokenness, if we're not careful, we'll turn to bitterness. Bitterness occurs when a broken heart is not allowed to heal. We keep picking at that scab of the wrong that has been done to us and we cannot let it go and we cannot forgive the person or persons that have wronged us in our heart and we continue to pick at that scab and we don't allow it to heal. The root of bitterness creeps up in our heart and in our life. And now Samson at this point cares nothing about the things of God Nothing about his disobedience, nothing about his rebellion against what God had called him to do, only about the revenge of his own heart. Revenge of his eyes. His desire is not to please God, but to get revenge on the Philistines. His broken heart led to a bitter heart. A bitter heart will lead to number three, a beaten heart. Look with me in verse number 19. Or excuse me, verse number 29. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand and on the other with his left hand. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which slew his life. There's a lot of people, and you can get mad at me and sit me down, preacher, if you, you think I'm wrong, that's fine. But a lot of people preach that Samson went out in a blaze of glory. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that Samson went out in a blaze of glory. I believe the statement that is made about more being slain in his death than he slew in his life is a reproach to Samson's ministry, not, not a mark for it. God had ordained him to free the nation of Israel from the Philistine bondage. He failed in that mission. Samson was more concerned about the other things in his life. But there's a statement in here that gives away the fact that Samson died a defeated man. Look what the Bible says. 
And he bowed himself, verse number 30. And he bowed himself with all his might. Samson, what about the time that you took the jawbone of a donkey and defeated a thousand Philistines? That was the spirit of the Lord that came upon him. Samson, what about the times that you had accomplished all of those great things and helped to release a nation out of bondage? That was the spirit of the Lord that came upon him. But now, in Samson's final moments, Samson's not doing that with the power of God. Samson's doing this all by himself. All his might. He's defeated. He was defeated before this battle even started. Because he's going in his own strength, not in the strength of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'll just tell you tonight, we allow our heart to be broken. And you know, you can't really help your heart being broken in the ministry especially. You give your heart to people and you invest in people and they take it up and cut it up into little bitty pieces and hand it back to you and walk out and sleep just fine that night. But you can keep your heart from being bitter. And you can keep your heart from being beaten. Samson died a man of defeat. Samson had at one time, one of the greatest victories, y'all listen to me, if you don't get anything out of the rest of this sermon, listen to this statement, please. One of the greatest victories that Satan can win over the child of God is when he convinces us that we can do the work of God in the power of the flesh. When Satan convinces us that we can do God's will in our own power and energy, he already has us beat. Because we are fighting spiritual battles, not fleshly battles. And if we go in it with the power and energy of the flesh, we're going to fail every single time. Hmm. Samson's heart was beaten. And finally, I want you to see this. We read in our text, after we read our text, we read Proverbs chapter number 23 and verse number 26. The Bible says, my son, give me thine heart. There's a broken heart in Judges chapter 16. There's a bitter heart in Judges chapter 16. There's a beaten heart in Judges chapter 16. But there's a blessed heart in Proverbs chapter 23. The Bible says, give me thine heart. Eight times in the book of Proverbs, we are warned about the strange woman. Someone that desires to control our heart. Someone that desires to control our affection. And Solomon speaking to his son said, son, if you will give me your heart, I will never break your heart. I will never cause your heart to be bitter. I will never cause you to be defeated. If we give our heart over to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not saying that our heart's not going to get broken, but what I am saying is that he's never going to break our heart. We give our heart to people and we give our heart to things and we invest in the things of this life and the things of this world and they, that we will come back with a broken and a bitter and a beaten heart every single time. But if we give our heart over to the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll never break our heart. He'll never break your heart tonight. We give our heart to Him in salvation. The Bible says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made into salvation. We give our heart to Him in safety. The Bible tells us that if we give our heart to Him, He will protect and He will keep our heart and guard it. He will give our heart to Him through service. Peter, after the crucifixion, in his, in his own frustration and confusion of everything that's going on, 
the apostle Peter comes out and he says, I'm going fishing. And he just, everything that's going on and his confusion and his frustration about the whole situation, he's, he, he's just, he's been, been bombarded on every side. And he says, you know what, I'm just done. I'm just done. The Bible tells us that he had denied the Lord Jesus Christ and he had gone and, and said, I'm going fishing again. But the Bible says in John chapter number 21 that as they were out on the sea fishing, Jesus comes by on the shore. And the disciples make a beeline to the shore and, and the Bible tells us that they sit there and they fellowship and they eat and Jesus had prepared some fish for them and then Jesus points Peter out and he says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? I don't know what these were. You Bible scholars can tell me if you know what these were, that what, what these, what these was Jesus pointing at. I don't know if maybe Jesus wouldn't point at that ship over there and said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Maybe Jesus was pointing at the disciples that were his friends and said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Making a comparison of the fish that Peter had left Jesus to go back to fishing saying, holding up Peter's career and saying, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? I wonder tonight what we would do if the God of heaven walked into the First Baptist Church of Easton, Pennsylvania, of course, we'd have to answer honestly because we're standing before God. But He held up your career tonight. And He said, Church, lovest thou me more than these? What would happen if He would walk up to you, young teenager, and say, Lovest thou me more than this boyfriend? Lovest thou me more than this girlfriend? Lovest thou me more than your sports? Lovest thou me more than your dreams? Lovest thou me more than your plans? But what about ministers? The Bible tells us in Revelation in chapter number 2, uh, he's speaking to the churches and he comes to the church of Laodicea, or excuse me, he comes to the church of Ephesus and he explains that, that they are been faithful and they hate evil and they, they cling to that which is good. But in verse number 4 he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. So preacher, let me ask you this. Preacher, lovest thou me more than thou lovest preaching? If preaching was taken away from you, would you still love God? Young person, if the platform was taken away from you, would you still love God? If the microphone, when you sing, was taken away from you and you had to go out in the middle of the field and sing to nobody and just worship between you and God, would you still love God tonight? Lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me more than you love anything else in the world? May our heart echo the prayer of the songwriter of old when he said, More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. Hear now this prayer I make on bended knee. This is my earnest plea. More love, O Christ, to thee. More love to thee. More love to thee. Have we considered the songwriter's convicting question? Have thine affections been nailed to the cross?
Is thy heart right with God? Countest thou all things for Jesus but loss? Is thy heart right with God? Would to God we had a church generation that would rise up and say, I love Him more. But the sad truth of it is, many of us have invested and dumped our affection and our heart into the things of this world. Who's got their hands on your heart tonight, church? Who has control of your affections? Who's got control of all of the love that's in you? I hope it's the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And I pray that you use the message to speak to the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher.